You are listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 78. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I am your host, Angela, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I am a business consultant and coach, helping women in business go from stuck, overwhelmed, and working in their business to helping them to gain clarity, the strategies, and systems they need in order to allow them to grow five, six, and seven-figure businesses. Surveying. Now, today's topic is all about surveying your audience, and it can be one of the most powerful things you can do for your business. What you uncover and learn about your audience through surveying can help to shape, create new products, courses, and programs, but it can equally help changing things up to make your products, services, programs even better from where they are today. Serving your audience. Now, I'm excited to bring on Lindsay Padilla, who is going to share with us her wisdom about all things surveys, why you need them, the benefits of them. She's also going to share her framework on how you can start to survey your own audience and so much more. So get ready for an awesome episode. But before we jump into this episode, I just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new business masterclass, the ultimate four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business. In my 60-minute jam-packed on-demand masterclass, you will learn my signature four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business without sacrificing time with your kids, without the overwhelm, and without wasting any more cash. I also dig deep into the four big business mistakes that everyone in business makes and why they're keeping you from growing a sustainable and profitable business. And lastly, I talk a little bit about what is working for businesses now and why most of what you're being taught about growing a business is outdated and wrong. To sign up for my on-demand masterclass, you can simply head to bit.ly, B-I-T, full stop L-Y, backslash, masterclass with Angela Henderson. Again, bit, B-I-T, full stop Lee, L-Y, backslash, masterclass with Angela Henderson, and I'll be sure to have that link in the show notes. Get ready for the show. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hi, yay, I'm so excited to be here. It is awesome to have you here. And I think there's something to be said about the power of connections um, and just meeting new people, but face to face. And that is exactly yes. kind of what happened with you and I is that we met a couple uh, months ago, early beginning of this year in March at a two-day masterclass summit with Caitlin Batcher. And from there, we've been able to hang out on social media, get to know each other a little bit. And then, yeah, you're here. So what are your thoughts about, again, the power of investing? I know we'll get into surveys and stuff in a mm. minute, but I think yeah, that, that connections are so important. Yeah, for sure. I a thousand percent agree. And it's, um, and if you remember too, you were here in San Diego for social media marketing world. So we shared amazing tacos and margaritas. <laughs> we in did, we California. Did. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think it's, you know, it really, I think something about getting in person with people, it just like advances the relationship a lot quicker. Like it felt like when we jumped on the phone just now, it's like, oh yeah, cool. Like we've hung out together. We've eaten together. We've shared a drink together. We've learned together. Um, and so it's just like, we're just, you know, catching up, touching base. And it, uh, it just feels easier to 
show up for each other, I guess, when you know each other that well, uh, because you met in person. Exactly right. And listen, we really, we have only really had a few little, since March, like, oh, hi, how are you? Do you mean like each other stuff? It hasn't really been in depth, but like you said, for the last 15 minutes, we've been speaking about an exciting project you have coming up. Yeah. And it's just those things that there was no barriers. It was just kind of like, how are yep. you going on? And even when we were in San Diego and stuff, there were still so many other people we were connecting with. But uh, yeah, but again, we still have been able just to pick up where we left off. And if you needed something or if I needed something, I, you know, we'd help each other out. To, exactly. You know, um, yep. so, again, so I just think, again, I start off the podcast with the power of connections, people, because this is how so many of my podcast guests come on board is through meeting face to face. Now, Lindsay, before we jump into the podcast, I always ask my guests a particular question. Uh, a little bit of a fun question because I think it's important that they get to know you as a person before we jump into the nitty gritty about, you know, business. So my <laughs> first question is, as you did just mention San Diego, I know that this is where you live. And yes, we did have beautiful tacos and margaritas that night. <laughs> so my question actually is, as what place in San Diego is the old, ultimate go-to dinner place that others who travel to San Diego need to go and check out? That's really funny. Yeah. So the restaurant, I have to, I have to uh, suggest this exact restaurant because <laughs> we actually take almost every person who visits us uh, there because it's so good. It's called Lola Fifty Five, and it's kind of like um, an artisanal coffee shop mixed with cocktails. They make, uh, they have an excellent bar and cocktail menu as well, and they just have kind of cooked as you you come in kind of as you order amazing tacos that are really, I don't know, unique. And they have these fascinating flavors. And uh, like, I, I don't even know, their, their grilled cheese or their, or sorry, their quesadilla. quesadilla. But their quesadilla that they make is unlike anything I've ever had in my life. And I just get such joy watching other people eat it because it's like a party in your mouth. It um, was and it's so super, good. Yeah, it's really yummy. It's over in East Village, which is... Um, lots of people are familiar with the gas lamp area of San Diego, which is very close to kind of the airport and everything. But it's east of where you would see the gas lamp district. So it's just further away from the water a little bit. Um, and it's a fantastic spot. Tell them I sent you. Lindsay Tell over there. Lindsay <laughs> over there. And no, listen, we, we actually went with you. And then I took some of the Aussies back there yep. after social media marketing. Because I was like, listen. But the other thing is this... The tacos are so beautiful that mm -hmm. the quality of the tacos for the price you pay is like was crazy. I was like, they could be charging so much more. I know, I know. And I mean, obviously San Diego is known for Mexican food because I would also be the next person to tell you that any hole in the wall Mexican food place is going to be fantastic. Um, but that's like very traditional Mexican food. So this is just a little bit, a little bit of an edge, something different, but tastes fantastic. No, well, thank you for that. And yes, my stomach thanks you for that also when I was there <laughs> in, uh, in that March. Now listen, for those listeners who may not know you at all, because we do get a lot of different guests and predominantly my audience is here in Australia. Um, can you tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do in business? Yeah. So I'm an ex-professor turned entrepreneur, accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> I not set out to start a business. I landed my dream job. I was on the tenure track. I'm not sure what you guys call it over there, but um, yeah, I was. You know, I was getting that amazing job at college, and I accidentally stumbled into starting a business. Um, right now, our company is called Wealthy Teachers. I I am partnered with my husband. Actually, I'm moving a little bit away from the personal brand and going into a larger kind of umbrella type company. And in this company, we help entrepreneurs become teachers, and teachers become entrepreneurs. 
entrepreneurs. And I just really want people to be able to teach better because when they can teach better, their students get better results. And that obviously can equal more enrollments in the future, which is such a wonderful thing when you're in the course business. Yes, exactly right. Because again, they say as a, um, as a course provider as a, or as a coach or any time where you're teaching people, and I can only assume for academics too, you know, in America and at universities is that the greatest um, win you can have is when you hear your, your own students, you know what I mean? Um, relaying or sharing the information that oh, it's the best. Yep. Those aha moments. And yeah, I know if you're, you know, a lot of people listening might be coaching right now or running group programs or, or maybe they're selling products, um, digital or physical. And that moment when the consumer like just has this, oh my gosh, this changed my life or, oh my gosh, I get it now. I never thought of it that way. When I hear those words fall out of someone's mouth, I'm like, I'm doing my job. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's like, you're my, well, I know when I hear it or see it, I'm like, oh, aha, uh-huh, for myself. You know what I mean? I'm like, my heart, I'm smiling, my heart is beating fast, and I'm just happy for them because I'm a. Tr- I also think that that's my own um, perception is that as a coach, I'm there to guide you, nurture mm-hmm. you, and learn. But your success and failure will ultimately come down. Do you know what I mean? To to how yep. people will take action. Um, and so I always see those people that where the the dots start to connect, the action starts to take, and they just yes. grow exponentially. So it's it's always sure. a feeling. Now, as you touched upon, uh, you know, during your time helping entre- entrepreneurs become teachers and teachers become entrepreneurs, you've worked with a lot of people around the world, not just in the United States. And mm-hmm. while working with them, you found that one of the most important elements that people are missing in their business is that of also surveying your audience. So Correct. for this particular episode, can you confirm what you mean by surveying your audience so that just mm. we're all on the same page? Yeah, for sure. Um, when I think of surveying, um, it's kind of getting that two-way conversation open. And I think a lot of times we can kind of put something out there and we're like, okay, cool, it's done. And then like watch the sales come in <laughs> or not. <Yeah. laughs> um, it's a two-way conversation. And if you don't ask people either how awesome you're doing or what you can improve, then you never iterate or you never change and make your thing better. And I'm seeing that... I see that a lot in this space. And there's really small incremental things that you, that you could just be alerted to that you didn't even realize because you asked, how's it going? Or you know, what's your favorite thing that you learned today? Anything like that. And you will just start to see lots of um, places that you are doing amazing and places that you can really add value to your people. And for those that are, because I have individuals who are product-based businesses, but service-based businesses, some that are doing group coaching, one-to-one, etc. Can you survey your audience depending on, it doesn't matter what type of business you have? No. And we were kind of chatting about this. So obviously I play in the space of courses a lot, but I do believe that you know the way I teach surveying and the way I want you to think about surveying um, your audience. And I think I also think when I hear surveying your audience, it's like sometimes I think of market research. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want us to also be thinking about you know how valuable the feedback from the people who currently are paying you is. That's really important feedback. Yes, market research is also really important. So those, you know, I, I'm not going to talk a lot about that 
before they buy kind of thing where you're asking like, what do you need help with? Or what is your biggest struggle? That's all important too. But I'm kind of more ready to kind of talk about what we do when someone buys, they become a customer. That means that person raised their hand and is like, I trust you. Um, I bought your product because I think it's going to solve a problem. And uh, you want to see how it's going for them. And that's going to be your key, you know... um, feedback, the key conversation you need to be having. And so, but for the audience, but you can apply surveying your audience to people who are product-based business, but also to those who are service-based. So really any business can benefit from surveying their audience. Yep. Correct. And for that, can you talk a little bit about what are some of the key benefits that businesses and entrepreneurs can get when they survey those audience who are paying clients? Yeah, so I think um, the the big one that I always tout, uh, I think as a teacher, <laughs> um, it comes from the space of like listening to your students or listening to your people, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not ever asking, then you never really have the opportunity to listen as much as you think. Like we can listen on some calls that we have, or we can you know re- do a recording and we can maybe visit back. Though I most people don't, right. but we could, right? Uh-huh. And um, but the power. Of of the survey is another way, like kind of a, sometimes it can be anonymous and we can get into those kind of details. But the idea that someone can sit and spend some time thinking about their experience with you and it can happen, their experience with the product, their experience in one-on-one coaching, their experience in a group program or in a course, they can actually give you feedback there. And then you have to be the receiver of that feedback. And so that's the listening piece. And I just think it creates bigger connection because people not only is it their feedback important, but the actual act of asking how are things going is uh, basically recreates that connection that they wanted with you in the first place. And so they're like, oh, she's paying attention to me. I'm not just a number. I didn't, I'm not just someone who bought a thing. Like she cares what I have to say. And I think that's really valuable um, because you're really actually strengthening the relationship between you and the person who bought something from you. And I think that is important. I know when in my own group coaching program, Profit Pillars, and also my one-to-one coaching, that most of the women will start off by saying something like, thank you so much for asking me this. Mm-hmm. Or, yep. or also, I haven't really thought about that until now, but I appreciate that question. Or mm-hmm. so they're quite grateful um, and come from a very positive space, you know, for the most part. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. always someone. But, but that's the thing is, I think also, sometimes people worry about surveying their audience because they may get back feedback and yes, they're not in the headspace to receive yes. it. Whereas yes. my greatest lessons I've learned in time is through the negative feedback because mm-hmm. I've been able to look at myself. It's not a reflection on them. It's a reflection on myself as a course creator or as a business coach. And I then have to start asking either better questions or I have to start doing things differently or, you know, so yeah, I don't, I think surveys are such a powerful thing, but I do know some people get a little bit reluctant because they, it's hard for them to accept that information. Yeah, I'd love to speak to that. So um, you guys might not have this... uh, I guess it's a website here in the States, but there is a website called (laughs) ratemyprofessor.com. You guys have an Australian version. Um, But we have a website that literally is anonymous things that students can write anything about any teacher at any college and any class that they take. And they rate you on like easiness and, you know, um, I don't know, difficulty. They even like rate you on hotness, right? So they'll like hand... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
So like I taught in the era of rape my professor and I survived. No, but like the reality is, is like, you know, and I say this a lot too, as someone, because we actually had mandated uh, end of course surveys that our students had to fill out. And it's always a big hoopla in the United States as to whether or not like the college uses that against you if you get tenure and like, should they make decisions based on student feedback and surveys? So those kind of surveys are, um, yeah, sometimes you can notice some trends in your own work and you can look back and say, you know, what is it about them feeling that they're not getting X result or that they didn't understand this concept? And it is difficult as a teacher to hear like, oh crap, like I'm not serving them. And I think it's even scarier when there's money tied to it. Because I'll say at the college level, I'm like, cool, like I can improve my teaching, but this is like, someone gave me a thousand dollars. Like I better help them, right? Like there's some kind of attachment, at least for me as someone who's, you know, from institutions to like online. Uh, but uh, the criticisms I'll also add, sometimes it is a reflection of the student. And I, I actually do talk about this with my students that sometimes you can have a student who's in a bad headspace as they're filling out the survey. And they're blaming you for things that you might not be responsible for. And you can usually point out or tell in a survey if someone's in that area because everything they say is laced with that like, but I didn't get this or I didn't do that. Totally. Feel it. And so there's, there's little things here and there that I would point to if you're reading a bunch of feedback and there are criticisms. Um, and, and I'll say this too, there can be one student out of a hundred in a semester, but you're so worried about that one person who said that one thing. And I think volume is a big piece of this. If it is just one thing, you get to decide as the educator because it's your ship, it's your course. You get to decide is this actually something that will help future students? And is they, are they pointing out something that I could change? Or are they coming from their own problems that they're dealing with internally? And so the same way we process how other people react towards us, right? And all that lovely stuff we could talk about with relationships and stuff. It's like, it, it, it's related here too. Um, so you get to decide what to leave aside and you get to decide what will actually serve future versions of your, of your course and, and your products that you have. Um, so I do like to say like, everyone will get critiques. There's no way to do it perfectly. And often the critiques can come from a place of like, well, maybe that person is just in general, not thinking about it, you know, in the right way. And I'll say too, like, without going into a bunch of details about like how I survey people in courses, if you survey people in the beginning of the course, at every stage of the course, like every module, and at the exit of the course, you're going to have actually less really negative feedback. You'll get these great things where students will be like, oh, I loved this module, right? Because you ask them a question, what was your biggest aha? And they'll be like, oh my gosh, I never thought about X like this way. And yeah. then you ask them, what was something you was confusing or what do you wish I covered? It's, I'm, we just read through all of ours actually. We, um, we've had about 400 students go through our product and we just went through all the survey feedback. I'm currently in the updating my course uh, phase myself. And um, there was nothing that made my heart drop. Nothing. Not a single one where I was like, oh my God, the person hates me. It was all amazing and constructive. And I'm like, yep, I've heard that three times. They are absolutely right. And yeah. so 
you can get yourself in that headspace if it's specific. When you just survey at the end of a product, at the end of a coaching experience, um, at the end of a group-like experience, a lot of times the students are just reflecting on what they mostly recently remember. And so if it's been six months, they might just be like, yeah, I got the result. Angela got like, it was amazing. And like, oh, I really liked this topic. And then they're like, okay, like they're not going to be like, oh, when Angela was explaining that one tiny thing, I didn't get it. They're not going to say that because they don't actually remember. And so I think it's really important that that the better you get at surveying, the less likely you're going to have feedback that makes you like, Blah, like nervous, if that makes sense. One hundred percent, and I and it, I also think though that too, because you've had multiple touch points, you've shown uh, multiple yes. times that you care about them and Correct. that you value their opinion and that you're willing to make things better. I Where I think that that, yeah. that last kind of survey is just kind of like a tokenistic. Oh well, yep. they're doing this because they have to do this, right? Yeah, like I hope she wants a testimonial, right, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, totally. Whereas if you kind of make it part of your culture of, do you mm. know what I mean? That process from beginning to end, then they know, like it's become almost part of the norm. Oh yeah, they're just serving because they want, do you know what I mean? To to see where we're at or whatever. Like they're they're used yeah. to it, right? Whereas yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think you're bringing up a point too that I want to drive home, and I know we already said it, but it, it's coming back. This is coming back full circle. Is surveying is not just about like what can I take from my audience. I want to take these answers, or I want to I want them to tell me who they are, so I can you know be able to find my ideal client. Right. Yeah. This is about relationships. Like surveys can actually go both ways. They're going to see value in you asking and uh, like seeing them and that you're listening. And I think to close the loop with surveys, just to be clear, then you have to go implement it, right? Like if you have to ask all day, you better have some process in place or or carve out some time um, in your business to actually go, okay, now let's make some of the changes people suggested. And I'll say that's easier said than done. It's not easy to sit down and keep reiterating and improving a product that's already doing pretty well, but it's going to be great. And you want it to be great because that greatness is what actually sets you apart from other people who maybe teach or coach on similar things. Yeah, 100%. And like, I love the fact about the relationships because... (laughs) I know there are some people out there who will teach, you know what I mean, to super automate or to bring a lot of team members in. And I believe there's a time of place for automation. I also believe there's a time and place to bring staff or other people in, right? But I Mm -hmm. also think that when people buy from from me, I don't have to be the end all be all. They can still get answers from their community and et cetera, but they're still buying my course because it's it's Angela Henderson's course. So to me, relationships are super important. And that's one of the primary feedbacks I get in both my group and one-to-one is like, I actually show up. I don't just do the course and you're, you're a drop and run, right? And that's probably yeah. a whole other Jimmy podcast episode. That but. is a whole other episode, but it's related. And, and recognizing that these kind of surveys, by putting them in place, they can be automated, right? And like, we can't automate that, but you open the door. So if someone gets a 90-day you know, uh, progress, right, uh, survey, then you've officially opened the door in your email to let them be like, oh, thanks for sending this. I'm so glad you made me look at this. And again, it's that touch point. So it's not just this one way I'm taking information. You're actually opening the door back to your consumer and customer or student or whatever you want to call them. But I also think it also helps with giving the consumer the responsibility for their own outcome for a course also. Correct. 
if you start at the beginning, and we'll talk about the framework that you kind of use in a minute, but if you think about it, if you open up that dialogue at the beginning, in some of your questions, you can also do you mean frame them around about like, how much time are you dedicating? What are you doing for this, et cetera, et cetera. And that the ownership, their success and failure isn't a direct result of you and your program, but actually it's also the direct result of how much time, effort, and willingness that they're going to take to ask questions, be involved in the group, and seek that help and assistance. So I also think you kind of precede what their outcomes potentially could look like based on those part of that survey. Yeah. And I can get super nerdy and talk about like adult (laughs) learning theory and like reflecting on your learning, but that's what you're bringing up is exactly that. If you don't ask them, Hey, like how confident are you around X topic? And they rate themselves. If you never ask that, they might just be like, Oh, I'm not that good. And then it's like, but right. Like you, they have to reflect and assess themselves because there isn't, we're not, we're not giving essays and exams and stuff like that. So we have to ask them to reflect on where they've been, where they want to go, because that's the thing that you can use when you're coaching and, um, you know, teaching to say like, wow, look at how far you've come. So then at the end of the experience, a student is like, yes, like Angela got me from here to here. And I can see this growth because I was asked about it. It wasn't just about watching videos. Totally. 100%. Now, so for those of you out there that are like, okay, I probably have zero surveying in my business structure at all. And I need to kind of up my game. What do you have a particular framework or do you have particular steps you can walk the listeners through about what they can? I have a couple of steps. Um, The first step is, is when you're sitting down to go like, okay, what, like, how can I add this kind of stuff to my business? How can I, how can I use surveys to to converse with my audience? The first question you want to ask yourself is like, what am I using this for in my business? So that decision, there's going to be multiple surveys off like likely as Angela and I are just kind of going back and forth. There's lots of uh, places you can use surveys in your business. And so you just want to ask like, what am I, what is the intention behind this? So for example, um, surveys that are in a course, the intention behind it might be, I need to know uh, if my students are understanding the material. Okay. That's a very specific type of intention. Another might be though, because the different surveys also can have multiple questions in there that are related to the intention, mm-hmm. but you can totally do some market research and some ideal client research when they come in our course. Like how much money are they making per month? Like who's on their team? Um, you know, how many years in business? Like that, those kind of like, well, I wouldn't say generic questions, but like demographic type questions, that's going to help you as a business owner be like, Oh, I serve this group really well. Right. (laughs) So market research is totally allowed on the inside of a course, but I just want to make sure you're also thinking about progress and and students getting results. Um, And then there's other surveys in your business. Other intentions could be, you know, learning about who's on your list, um, learning about what help they need when they download a specific freebie, right? Those kind of surveys, and I, I put them in air quotes because sometimes it can just be in an email and you don't even have to overthink it. It's just ask a question. <laughs> and yeah. like, that's surveying, right? We don't have to get really complicated. Um, but yeah, so the first step is thinking about what is the intention uh, in your business for this particular survey and just start to think about what kind of goals you want to accomplish with um, the survey. Okay. No, fantastic. And for those people who are like, okay, they've gone great. I don't have, or I don't have surveys. I now know that I need to survey them. And this is my intention from having them. Like you've talked about, are there particular tools or platforms that you recommend for businesses Ah. when they survey their audience? 
Yeah. You know, I, there's a couple things here and I can get super like nerdy with tech. I, I like playing with shiny objects. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like the, like this, this tech piece will save my life. Like, um, you know, you can get super basic and keep it in Google forms and not make anything crazy complicated. Um, we actually just did a Google form for something. I can't remember because I was working on it with my team, but Default for us... Oh, it was for hiring actually. Uh, but default for us is Typeform. I just like... It's just pretty. It just looks pretty. I like the way it's set up. It actually embeds really nice into course platforms. And so the, the student doesn't have to like exit or leave. So does Google Forms. But the that's prettier. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you could do some decent stuff on Typeform for free. They do start to charge, I think, when you get over 10 questions. And so I think they just capped that. Um, so you might want to go with something like Google that doesn't do any of those kind of caps. Yeah. Um, so Typeform and Google are my typical ones. I know there's some interesting kind of quiz-based software that is coming out. Um, and nothing that I would definitely recommend to the audience because it's one of those things that it does some cool stuff. But... Uh, it's not as basic and entry level as I would like it to be for me to recommend. So no, fantastic. And also, yeah. like you said, sometimes you might just have one or two questions. So there's no yeah. problem also with, like you said, not overthinking it. And if you sent like just an email to your email list, you know, yep. and had either you or a, a team member, staff member, do you know what I mean? Collate that data and present it yep. to you. So again, for those of you who are like, oh, great, another tool I have to pay for or whatever, you know, like you said, Typeform lets you do some stuff without having to pay Google for is free. You've got your email. If you're already using it free, do you know what I mean? Like you don't have <laughs> to go. I think again, people use that as a blockage to actually going yeah. and something. I would yep. much rather, and I'm sure Lindsay would say the same, use your free resources that you already have and start surveying and gather that rich, juicy data. So you can make your products or your courses or et cetera, better than what they already are. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. so how often, obviously, do you think surveying your audience and how the frequency depends on hmm what they're what they have so for example if you're an e-commerce you know obviously you might only get the one customer one time or you could get return customers etc but you could you know so in that instance you might survey them once and it could be post purchase mm. but mm -hmm. you know for something in a course i know you recommend kind of there's kind of multiple touch points like we just talked about yeah. kind of beginning middle and end um and but is there like do you have any other rhyme or reason or do you think that's kind of like how the flow should go or do you just kind of just test test and test more. I'm always I'm always a fan of testing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Always a fan, and I, yeah, I think what you want to be thinking about if you go back to that notion of like ask yourself what the intention is. If one of your intention is to improve the product, then you like improve the learning experience and that they're actually learning the material. If that's a goal of yours, then you're going to be like, wait, when's the best time to ask them what they learned and how the learning is? It's like, oh, it's right when they watch it. It's not five months later. So I think you can loop it back or like circle it back to the intention. Um, and you know, you could argue, you know, I've never owned an e-commerce uh, e business. So you might be better at, at thinking about how it ties in there. But you know, you can ask for feedback about how the project is. You can ask for obviously those reviews, which everyone loves. But you could also ask about like, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend? Like, how likely would you buy this for someone for Christmas or an event, right? And so you can survey and get to know your people more. Um, and that again, could be like, it could be months after they buy the product. Um, and unrelated to the length of time, you're just 
checking in to see how they're using your product. And I think that would reveal a lot of things for someone in, you know, e-com, the e-com space. And so um, I think it's, it is thinking back to that idea of intention, because the number of times you ask, when you ask, and you know, how you ask is probably related to that intention. Oh, no, fantastic. No, surveying. See, I can't <laughs> emphasize enough the importance of, again, having this conversation and that the listeners, again, my whole podcast is always about just planting the seed, getting them there. And some people, you might not be ready to embrace the survey yet, but I really encourage you to keep it on your to-do list and start looking at little ways you can integrate it. Again, you might be having a course and you're like, shit, how do I do the beginning, the middle, and the end? Well, maybe you choose one and really hone in on that and then add the second layer and the third layer. You know, like I think there's different ways, but it is so important to gather this, you know, information because it's really going to help stem the growth of that course, that product line, and just your overall sustainability and profitability within your business. Yeah. We got to use data driven strategies to make decisions in our business, right? Because some people think like, oh, I should just redo my entire course. And it's like, is there evidence that you need to do that? So it's important to collect that data. I'm I'm a huge numbers person with my clients. Also, I think it's important that again, sometimes we put these blocks in our mind that it's one thing, but then like you said, you go back to the data and you're like, actually, no, you're, this is actually doing really well, you know? So yeah, totally data driven. Now for those businesses that would like to connect with you and find out more, where can they do so? Yeah, um, I do have a free Facebook group that I love um, and I teach a lot in there and we talk a lot about teaching. It's called the Teacher's Lounge. Uh, That's a fun place um, that you can meet people in my community and learn a little more from me. Um, And then I just really like hanging out on Instagram. It's just, you know, I do Instagram stories. I'm not super good on the feed yet, but Instagram (laughs) stories. Want to take a peek in the behind the scenes? Step at a time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, That's that's where I enjoy being social right now. I would. And what is the handle for Instagram? Yeah, handle for Instagram is at Dr. Lindsay Padilla. And uh, the Teacher's Lounge, I think you could just search in Facebook and it should yeah, and we'll, have the, we'll add those links in the show notes. And on my web, one final question. What yeah. do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started off in business? Ooh. Um, that... There is no such thing as failing, but learning as you go. And I think as an academic, that's been hard for me to let go of, but now I get it. (laughs) And so I wish I failed harder and faster earlier in my business. Yeah, (laughs) dude, totally. And you know, I talk about this often on the podcast that people will look at and they'll really beat themselves up about quote unquote mistakes or failures. Mm -hmm. But I genuinely Mm -hmm. believe they're the lessons that we need to get us to the next step in business. And if people can embrace that and go you know, yeah. Like I think, you know, I look at, for example, the lessons of we've just spent quite a bit of money on Facebook ads the last month and Mm -hmm. people, some people like, Oh my God, you spent that much money and you did this. But I'm like, you know, two, three years ago, I would have been having heart, having a heart failure, right? Yep. I'm like, no, I'm yep. like, now I can go back and I can look at the data and what did they most connect with and where can we change and pivot this? And was it just the US yep. audience? Was it the Australian audience? You know, like, the, yep. like you said, that data now is actually, yes, it's a copious amount of money, but what we'll take from that will be, I mean, what we need to get us to that next step. And yeah, we don't make those same it. 
quote unquote mistakes again. Because I believe if you don't look at the lessons that you need to learn, that's when the mistakes will just keep happening. Because someone in the universe is trying to tell you, you haven't quite got the lesson yet. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then I think it, it makes us feel bad. Like that's my whole thing too, is like, we need to hang on to as much confidence and um, that we can as entrepreneurs, because that's the thing that keeps us going. And if we're like letting something eat us away, it's like, if we don't have actually any evidence that that's really what's happening, um, it can drag you down. That's, and I think that's what happened to me. And that's why it's like, you look at the numbers, you look at the data, and then you can say, oh, this is what's happening. It's not, quote unquote, all my fault, which is <laughs> easy to get there, you know? Easy. No, and again, that's that mindset. Do you know what I mean? Yep, Stuff, which again, yep. a whole other conversation. So but listen, before we sign off, also just as a reminder for everyone that's listening, my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com you. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my very active Facebook community, the Australian Business Collaborative. So make sure you head on over and join. But for the rest of you, have a fabulous day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Lindsay, for tuning in from San Diego. I appreciate it. And I hope you all... Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.